0: Okay, so these podcasts are going to start getting a little bit more casual. I'm not going to do my introduction, but today I'm speaking with Russ Wood from Whistler, Canada. Russ, can you say hi?
1: Hey, Tom, how's it going? Good to to talk to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was really good to see you back in um, February, wasn't it, when I came over to Whistler? And um, so we got to spend a bit of time and do some stuff together. But for the people that don't know you out there in podcast land, um, can you just say who you are? So I guess, you know, what you do in the ski industry?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I mean, I'm born and raised in in British Columbia, Canada. So I've been skiing here all my life. I started off skiing in a, a small little hill up in northern BC. You know, one T bar to the top. and uh, I guess there wasn't a whole lot to do up there other than go around gates. So I did that for a while and uh, kind of got good enough to make it out of my region, but only just good enough to make it out of the region competing in ski races because then I'd get smoked when I went to a, a provincial level race. Hmm. But uh, anyway, just uh, you yeah, know ski races in high school uh came down to uh vancouver you know to the big smoke to go to school and did a degree in kinesiology and kind of thought i was going to go in the direction of um kind of a physical trainer kind of kind of angle to life yep um but but then i started teaching skiing i guess when i was around 20 and been doing that ever since you know done tons of different roles within the snow school and been Whistler in the last. Uh, was I was a training manager for about five or six years, and then the last almost ten years, I've been um, the general manager of all the private lessons we do there.
0: And you're role and guess, within the CSIA.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's where I was going to go. Um, yeah, so I. I mean, I teach courses for the CSIA. I um, do all the courses. I mainly mainly do the course conductor training and the level four course these days. I don't have. Um, just don't have enough time to do much more with the CSA, but mm-hmm. but love doing the uh, the courses and the exams. And um, yeah, I've been lucky enough to make make three inter-ski teams. So we'll be heading off to Bulgaria here in a little while. And
0: yeah, uh, exciting. Still, yeah. So you guys were just at some training, is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. We just did a two-day training camp in sunshine at the end of uh, the end of April, which was. Which was awesome. Blue sky, good hard snow, and it was the the first time we had the whole team together. So
0: yeah, how'd was, that
1: go? Uh, yeah, it was great. You know, I'd um, skied with you know JF and I go back a few uh, a few years. So it was good to ski with him again, and and uh, Sunny I'd skied with uh, Sunny and I were on the same team in in uh, Korea way back. So yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah, yeah, it was great. You know, and good just to just ski with different people and. Ski hard for two days. We we really did give her. So
0: I was, yeah, good. Uh,
1: I left those two days skiing. I I was sore by the end of two days.
0: Yeah, that's a good sign. Um, so I mean, the first thing I was going to ask is, since you've been in the ski industry for so long, what aspect of skiing do you think has kept you interested for such a long time? Like, what what is it? Is it the is it the lifestyle? Is it part of um, skiing technical side? Uh, what what is it? Do you think that's kept you in the game for so long? Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not sure what it was, but I know I know what it is now. It's that I got nothing else. I don't know any. <laughs> I don't know how to do anything else. So I'm, I'm a <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, you know. I think I. I mean, I, like I said, I I started off um, <clears throat> doing a degree in in you know human kinetics or kinesiology. So I always had a, I guess, some sort of drive to understand you know how mechanics works in sports and um so yeah i mean i think that's probably been the the driving force that's kept me going and i you know not that i you know i I really uh you know i'm interested in methodology and 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 you know more of the how to to what we teach but Mm -hmm. i guess i guess as, as time has gone on and i actually have less and less time myself on the hill probably what keeps me motivated and keeps me engaged is is more just the what we're teaching out there and um you know i guess there's there's just only so much time in the day to to uh to still focus on all the different aspects of of skiing and teaching skiing so that's yeah i would say you know just why we do what we do and you know uh i really you know as as you know i'm super interested in what you're doing and um riley and JF and all the guys i think you know people Kind of pushing it and trying to ski better and try different things is is really really interesting to me.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Cool. So what are you? What have you been playing with this winter? Like for your own skiing?
1: Yeah. You know. I think that's. I mean. <clears throat> probably as you uh, interview more and more people over 40, they just start talking about their boots and their body because you just start to fall apart. But uh, <laughs> I would say for sure. Um, you know, I, I've just. I never used to have any body issues in my late 20s and through my thirties and now i mean i don't I don't have large ones but I, I would say I have asymmetries in my skiing that i'm I'm trying to work out um, that I think are you know are body related and, mm-hmm. and or boot boot related so I'm always trying to trying to work on that and play with my boots and and uh, just play with you know how I stand on skis um, but then I, you know I would say the other thing i've been I've been working on, uh, aside from that, is um, this is going to sound kind of weird, but I, I spend a fair amount of time uh, looking at tracks on the snow. So like I'll I'll do yeah. a, I'll do a turn, whether it be you know skidded or carved or some blended version, and um, and and just try to uh, yeah really identify what's actually happening, you know, between the ski and the snow to um, I guess to try to justify certain thoughts or to break things down.
0: Yeah, 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 that's interesting, because that's what you, part of what you sort of presented when you were doing the teaching component of the demo team try is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of, I used, I mean, I basically just, you know, did an old turn in front of people, but instead of doing a turn in front of people and saying, hey, look at how I move or the way I look, my body looks at a certain part of the turn, that wasn't the, the point of the demonstration. The point of the demonstration was to lay a track in the snow, and then look at the track in the snow and and you know decide what's happening with edge angle at certain times and yeah. um you know how how we actually try to, how we actually go around an arc.
0: Yeah, because that sort of you wanting to present that idea has sort of come from I guess you well training with with people coming through, going for their high-end level four certification and other trainers and high-end skiers from the CSIA. And I guess this idea that uh, we talked about it, like there's this magic that happens at the top of the turn. Um, And so everyone's like top of the turn, top of the turn. And you're like, well, actually, you know, a lot really needs to happen at the bottom because that's the bit that's going to push you across. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I, I, I do think we've had an infatuation with the top part of the turn for you know, I don't know. I actually think at least in Canada here we're we're kind of coming out of it. But um, it it seemed to me for a long time that if you if you were uh, if you talked about actually putting effort into edging after the fall line, it was a bit of a failure. If you yeah. hadn't just like figured it all out above the fall line, then you weren't really skiing very well. And and it, and it just that never really uh, made sense to me. Yeah. But um, so I spent a fair amount of time just, uh, I guess, trying to debunk or just just trying to not debunk. Maybe it's the wrong word, but just uh, just try to understand exactly what happens. And um, yeah, I mean, top of the turn is important, but really the the whole turn is important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because Ron Lamasda mentioned something in his book um, about I think that you talked about. To do with edging and the end of the turn that just naturally being on a slope as you start coming out of the fall line edge angle is increasing anyway so have you kind of tried to i guess get this point across with people you ski with or in how you train people because um, i know this has come up before when we've chatted
1: yeah yeah, you know, like I, um, I mean, what I had seen, and I know mean, we've we've talked about this lots, and um, <clears throat> and maybe just to back up a step, I mean, I, it's not that I don't, um, I I think I definitely try to go out there and get sensations in my skiing, but I think something that at least I try to be fairly careful of, as a kind of teacher of teachers, is, so you know, when I when I train people, like, not that uh, the feeling that they get isn't important, it totally is, but I. I always want to make sure that people understand um, what is actually happening uh, in their skiing because sometimes feelings can be, uh, I think, I think sometimes feelings can be misleading. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the, I guess my, one of my examples of that is the, and it, and I think it comes from this. This idea and there's been lots of pictures drawn of you know that the force in the turn of the fall line points straight across the hill and so that must be the, the perfect moment in time to um, press hard and and go um, trampolining across the, the fall line and and I think there is a I think there is actually a somewhat of a feeling of a, of a trampoline effect in skiing mm-hmm. but what I've observed as, as especially at least in Canada as we were were talking about that a lot, is I, I just continually saw, it, you know, good pretty good skiers, ski instructors, good skiers, uh, kind of get to the fall line and then um, just stop putting any, edger, ed, any effort into edging. They would actually start to turn, you know, if they were turning to the right and they were at the fall line on their left foot, they'd get to the fall line and all of a sudden they would just turn their body to the right expecting that they were magically just going to go... Uh, across the hill which of course they, they weren't and then mm-hmm. they would just lose their outside ski and and uh and go straight down the hill so um so yeah I, I i've i've spent a fair amount of time and in that inner ski um demonstration what i tried to do is when I mean, aside from a few things just just actually looking at the track in the snow um you know really what you can see is that uh, the edge angle probably doesn't diminish until I don't know. I mean, if you could split the turn into 10, ten segments, it might not diminish until the, until the ninth segment of a turn. Yep. Uh, it's, it's really quite late. Uh, I mean, I think the, the you know, and it may be that the, the actual effort of edging uh, diminishes earlier than that. But as you say, because as you go across the slope, uh, edge is going to increase naturally because of that slope um, it's just not the case that, uh, the edges are flattening sometime just after the fall line, at least, at least yep. if you want to get more than a cat track across, if you're trying to get, you know, kind of a nice big turn, three or four cat tracks on a decently steep blue run. Um, yeah, it, the turn goes way deeper than that. And uh, I think that's not a, it's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And so have you been able to get this across clearly to people like for instance, this season.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's always interesting when I when I do these demos because um, people have you know heard certain things and and uh, may have their understanding, but I mean, you can't you can't argue with what the track is showing you in the snow. Yeah. I mean, it's you know I'm not I'm not trying to do anything anything different, and um, you know one of the analogies I've used. I mean, just speaking about. Direction as an example is, is, um, and yeah, and that this idea of a trampoline or a catapult or something where, um, it, it kind of gives the, uh, the idea that we bounce, you know, like a trampoline, you bounce yep. on a trampoline or, or the, the word deflection, a puck deflects off of, uh, the boards and, you know, playing hockey, um, uh, I get. I mean, they're really nice terms, and, and actually, one of the things I think sometimes we fight the, you know, people who are who are trying to describe things accurately fight is sometimes describing things accurately doesn't fa- doesn't sound as uh, doesn't sound quite as rock star as describing things through sensation. Yeah. So, like. <laughs> yeah. Deflection and trampoline and all these things sound awesome, but uh, one of the ways I've just been really looking at it is. Um, because I think we ski more like um, like, a, like a loser or a bobsled goes around a corner. Yeah. In and that, in that really what we do is, you know, we create all the things we do with our body. What that does is that sets our ski at some sort of angle against the snow. And then the ski actually digs into the snow to a certain degree. And that creates a wall uh, in the snow that pushes on us, just like the wall of a bobsled track pushes on the bobsled. Yeah. And, uh, and that's really, you know that's how that's how we actually go around an arc yeah like all the all the movements are what we do in order to make that happen but um you know one of the guys i've i've uh have talked to a lot over the years uh a guy named martin olson i think i've mentioned to you He he has a, a great quote which is uh, don't push on the snow make the snow push on you yeah and, and there's a lot of people out there i find trying to bounce or push or deflect that, that are really trying to they're trying to make a turn instead of just creating angles with the ski against the snow and making the snow push them around
0: around, yes. Uh,
1: around arcs
0: yes yeah yeah exactly yeah i I must say this uh last trip to Canada that was probably the main uh, idea main goal I was trying to achieve in my turns was um, I was actually thinking about it in a similar way, creating a, a wall or a platform, whatever you want for the, in the snow. Um, but then, cause I'm so interested in the body it is timing of when I stiffen my body or create tension mm. so that I get a better, uh, kind of the snow pushes against me more in a more solid way. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, because I think, you know, technique has been, you know, across the country has been kind of figured out, you know, we know we need to angulate, we know there's got to be this sort of separation between the joints and and that sort of stuff, but um, I don't know if there's much other than, you know, these sensations, It's, it's like jumping on a trampoline or it's like, you know, this kind of deflection feeling, um, um, there hasn't been a lot of talk about tension or timing of when things are stiff or loose um, even yeah, I, mean, I would,
1: would Yeah, I would even say like to your point and it's actually something that uh, again never made sense to me but I probably didn't speak up for too long but I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll hear a lot of great coaches talk about skiing loose which um, I mean, I guess there may be certain muscles in the body that are, are loose, but mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're at a GS race course on hard snow, you know, going 60 kilometers an hour, like, if, you're out, if your outside leg is loose or any part of the body that is taking the forces is loose, you're hooped. Yeah. I mean, you're it, loose is not um, an accurate uh, term, I don't think, and I, I agree, I mean, I, I, there's probably various levels of tension um in different parts of the body, but um there's tension everywhere probably
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly, otherwise like you said would be completely floppy, but yeah, I think that's uh it's 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 definitely a tricky thing to get across to people um because tension can be kind of thought of in in a negative kind of term as well uh um as well as you get on a steep slope and people tend sure. to tense up perhaps in a way that's not going to achieve this deflection that you're after. Um, so it is it is quite a tricky concept to get across. And that's probably where people are, you know, they maybe felt a, a sensation of the, the snow kind of pushing on them and, and maybe them pushing back at it is them trying to tense. But I guess the real magic in, in someone like Marcel Hirsch or just anyone on the World Cup really has to have that ability is them finding the right amount of effort to resist collapsing against the force, against um, the centrifugal force, I guess, trying to pull them outside the turn uh, so then the the ski bends and continues to turn them across.
1: Um, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, I think that's the game is is matching, matching what the ski gives you, matching the amount of, yeah. you know, tension in the body to the amount of force exerted on you so that you don't, you know, that you don't crumble. You don't need any more than that, and that's probably, you're right, that's probably where tension becomes inhibiting is where there's more tension in the body than's actually needed. Yes. I and mean, that's, for sure, fair enough, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, um,
0: yeah, like there's um, a, a swimming coach I follow, uh, uh, he's got um, an online site called, what's it called? Uh, his name's Terry, Terry Lachlan. Um, okay. Anyway, he talks a lot about tension and sort of timing of tension for swimming. So keeping the spine hmm. long and under tension as opposed to gripped and the core held um, and then the arms being tense at certain times and loose at others. Uh, right. So you're sort of pulling, uh, not pulling yourself through the water almost, kind of like passing your arms. As you put the arm in the water, your body continues to go past it as opposed to you pulling mm. on the water, and which is what most people try and do. Um, but yeah, if people are interested. He's got some really cool concepts out there about tension and timing and the amount of tension Uh, needed to I guess get the job done Um, so you know after the presentation to to some of the the ski pros at Whistler did you notice any of your instructors or people you went with playing with some of the ideas that I uh, presented
1: yeah you know I mean that was that was awesome Tom and you know I think um, I think I would say we noticed two things one what we noticed was um, we just noticed people talking about ski mechanics or ski technique or whatever you want to call it people were engaged in thinking about it and trying different things which um, you know for us was was probably goal number one was just to get people thinking about it and trying new things and being engaged yeah Um, yeah, so that that was awesome and then um, yeah I I don't know I would say if I had to, to talk about one thing that maybe uh, really got people talking was um, you know in Canada we really if we talk about separation we real in a rotational sense we really only talk about it in the hip joint so when you were talking about it in the you know lower down than outer or upper or higher up but especially lower down like in mm-hmm. the tibia fibia or the or the foot and in in actually making turning efforts down there. I would say that probably, you know, was an area that got people really thinking and trying stuff out.
0: Yeah, cool. Because I remember you've you've played around with the the foot thing. Have you played anymore with the foot supination?
1: I I haven't played more with it to the degree that you're talking about it. But I But I am. I did. You know, just to go down that path for a sec. I I mean, I I would I would say the other thing I've been really working on or thinking about a lot lately is is just like I say. I mean. How do we use our pieces of equipment to actually do what they're supposed to do um, I've, I've' actually in the last ten years probably spent as much time uh, mountain biking and I ha- as I have skiing and what you and but but having come coming at it from a relatively novice level and um, so it's great being on a, that learning curve again yes but what you, what what is really interesting on a bike and I'm sure lots of other sports is that. Uh, compared to the way I looked at my skis I really look and especially the last few years as I you know started to get better I, I really looked at my bike as a piece of sports equipment that I needed to uh, manipulate in certain ways to, to get certain outcomes and so I, I, I'm actually you know as, as technical minded as I am skiing I'm not at all in biking uh, but I really I bike with a, almost an outer body, Vision of what I'm trying to do, and really, it's just—it's not about what my body's trying to do. It's about you know how far over I need to tip the bike, how much I need to turn the steering wheel—all those those factors to go around corners. And um, so, same idea for skiing. I mean, I, I've actually the last—I'd say a couple of years really just tried to think more not about how I need to move what, what do I need what angle do I need my skis like edge angle do I need my skis and then what edge or what kind yeah. of steering angle against my line of momentum do I need my skis but but further to that I mean I think this is what you're you're getting to with the lower leg is uh, you know our, our skis as a piece of equipment are actually designed to spin around themselves that's why they're not center mounted you know they' they're mounted back of center with a wider shovel than a tail Uh, because that creates, um, an imbalance in the, in the torques that, that are active around the pivot point of your boot. And, and because of that, if you, if you let it, your tip will always want to spin up and your tail will always want to spin out. You know, kind of the bow tie effect that some people call it. And so, something I've worked on a lot, or not, I wouldn't even say worked on, but just really played with is, um, is, is creating uh, you know what I what we would call like an intermediate parallel turn, or you know a turn where the <clears throat> the skis track is maybe six inches wide, maybe a foot wide, but but getting the track to be that wide not through um, actively turning the leg, but but by actually controlling how much I edge it, and if you actually just yeah. control you, you control the amount of effort in your ankle, if you have a lot of what I find is if, if you have a lot of tension in the ankle that will hold the ski on its track and therefore carve if you if you give in to some of that tension in the ankle and kind of let the, the foot supinate a little bit then the the ski will want to twist on itself and create a width of track and so you can you can really yeah you can really play with the width of your of your track that you leave not just by actively turning your legs but more the activity in your, in your lower leg to control how the ski twists on itself.
0: Yeah, that was, I think that's, you just put that really well. I believe that not enough people allow, I guess, once the snow pushes on you, allows that force to move the equipment or move the snow, let's move the ski, sorry. And so yeah. then it comes down to you. Yeah, not actively doing things, more controlled letting things in your body move. Yeah, which is really kind of flips most people's probably effortful skiing on its head. Um, But I I totally agree. That's what I feel when I'm skiing really well, especially in the moguls. Right. Yeah, I really feel that, and I feel like moguls is an area that I probably feel better in than even peace, snow because right. I like that feeling of the terrain sort of making things happen in your yeah. body, you know, pushing you into a separated position, pushing you into an absorbed position. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and I think I mentioned in the in the talk that letting things, letting forces push on your body that that force or load through the muscles is an, is an eccentric load to the muscular mm-hmm. system, which is a much stronger and mm. um, efficient way to use your muscles. So, yeah, really kind of, I guess, can be backed up with a bit of science and reasoning why that would be a good way to go in, um, yeah. in your skiing. When you,
1: and, you know, I mean, what's interesting as well, I, I mean,
0: you know, most countries. I would, I would
1: say, in Canada for sure. You know, we put an emphasis on, on separation between lower and upper body, and lots of people come through the higher, you know, level three and level four, and you know, they rotate and they rotate, and they're told not to rotate, and they're told to turn their legs, turn your legs, yeah. turn their legs, and the more they try to turn their legs, the more they they rotate, and yep. you know, it's it's frustrating. And I've actually had good success uh, with quote unquote rotators by actually having them put. Less effort into exactly what you're talking about. Less effort into actively turning their legs, and more effort into just um, you know creating a tiny bit through an active move, probably early in the turn, especially if you're going slower, where you need to. But then, but then just just managing it and just balancing against it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy when you see those people who are just. They're trying so hard to turn the yeah. legs, but it's—I mean, really—once the ski, as as you and I know, once the ski is on edge to any decent amount, the actual turning of the femur is just going to drive the tip into the snow. It's not going to twist the ski on its axis. Yep. So um, it's not the answer at that point, really.
0: Yeah. Yep. I know uh, one of one of the people that's had a really good influence on me. One of my trainers, Andy Ray, um, the mm. head of head of the APSI he will in a level three course he'll do a drill um, where he gets people a big wide open greenish blue slope and you initiate a parallel turn by just sort of going in a traverse and trying to almost do nothing you just Mm. let the ski tips start pulling you into a turn and just feel you know that would be the most littlest effort put in to, to make right. it happen. And so it gets people that sensation of tr- trying to, yeah, let the forces come to them a little bit more rather than needing to be so active in it. And, um, yeah, once you feel that, I guess you can start playing with bringing up the level of act- active turning and, um, yeah, and like you said, using more edging to get the ski to kind of turn turn your body if you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills listen up i've been working closely with the carve team for over four years and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature active coaching mode and here's the lowdown launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level from there every turn is a challenge adapting on the fly to your skill terrain and conditions no fluff just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more and as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself? Into that yeah. separated position. So, yeah, it's yeah. quite a confusing one, isn't it? Because all around, I mean, that's probably, especially between the APSI, the CSIA, the PSIA, we all... You know, it's like t- turn your legs, turn your legs. It's you know, it's like a, a dogma. You know. Yeah. yeah. And I,
1: I mean, I, w- I, mean, I would say, I mean, I mean, you, you and I both love to ski bumps and love to do short turns. I mean, I, I, by no means. I mean, I, I I'm a full believer in in that you need the ability to turn the leg and the hip socket. I mean, that's. Yeah. You know, it's, I believe yep. that, and and there's definitely a time when that happens to a decent degree, you know, maybe you're in the air or you're doing a very, very short turn on some very, very steep terrain where you're yeah. right above the fall line, you know, those are definitely times where, you know, the ski's not pushing on you, so you're going to have to make something happen and you got to land with a decent steering angle to control speed, and I mean, those are all very legitimate, um, you know, uses for it, but... Um, Absolutely. You know, one, one of the, I mean, I, I know people in the southern hemisphere are going to start skiing again here soon, but you know, kind of like what Andy's talking about, uh, a drill I've had my people do, and it usually, well, I usually confuse them at first, but it definitely takes it's on, is to start a, to start a turn um, carved, so, you know, whatever, like you say, like going relatively quickly on a mm-hmm. green or easy blue, start the turn carved, and then somewhere around the fall line, and I, the way I describe it to them is to, is to, uh, I try not to use the word make, because that infers doing something active i usually use the word get so try to get the ski to to make a width of track so to break Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: and then and then hold it broke for a little bit let it break and then bring it back on to its line to carve so it'll be a carved turn and then a turn with some width of track and then carved again all within one arc and and just kind of think to yourself what are the moves That you make or what are the or how or i mean in my opinion how do you manipulate tension to allow the ski to twist on itself and then how do you manipulate tension to put the ski back on its track again and at at least in my experience it's not a it's not a it's not a um femur and a hip socket move that that does that Mm. um it's uh it's more of a lower leg controlled uh effort Um, yeah so
0: yeah. Anyway,
1: it's an interesting drill to just go play around with.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was rereading uh, Ron LeMaster's book. I just visited my mum, and that's where I'd kept the book and I brought it home now. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it was just good to go back over some of his, um, you know, concepts, even him breaking down the three planes of motion, the sagittal and frontal plane, transverse plane what's what exactly is going on when these good skiers come around come around a corner mm. um mm. yeah and so much of it is happening in that frontal or lateral plane um that i think uh yeah is one of the planes of motion that people get stuck with uh the most especially since when you know as humans we don't really move laterally very much we're kind of back and yeah. forward you know we stay on top of our feet. We, turn around and twist but we never really need to go side to side very much it's a it's a very unique kind of thing in the sport of skiing compared to most other sports i guess how much lateral motion and balance is there like the fore and aft is you're not actually really you're only moving fore and aft with your feet kind of relatively still so um yeah it's one area that's sort of i guess is is a trickier thing to to start training in your body to to bring about is that control in that frontal lateral plane would you agree with yeah. that or yeah no, for sure
1: i mean yeah. yeah no i mean everyday life does not prepare us very well for sliding on sticks that's for yeah. sure
0: yeah but
1: um but yeah i know so yeah no i agree i mean I, and i i mean i think the other thing that we're on i mean i've been the same. i I'm lucky, I've got a good good relationship with Ron. We go back and forth, and I was thumbing through his book, and yeah, and uh, he has the concept of platform angle he talks about, which is really the <clears throat> angle of. Um, uh, I'm probably going to mess this up. I think it's the uh, between the ledge that your ski makes in the snow and your center of mass. Yeah. And if that is uh, less than 90 degrees, so acute, it the ski will hold, and if it's if it's uh, more than 90 degrees, the ski will slide, and I mean you can you can feel that really just by side slipping on the hill, and you know kind of just using a little knee angulation or whatever it is, so that your you know your center mass really isn't moving into the hill, but you increase edge angle, and of course, you know the skis grab, and then you kind of roll the knees and the ankles to the outside, and it the ski the ski slides, and and I think that when i you know go back to that turn that i'm talking about the carved skidded carved turn i think that's actually what you're playing with is you're you're playing with your platform angle as you go through go through the uh through the arc and you're either adjusting it so that it grips and arcs or you're you're adjusting it so that it slips on itself and then the ski spins and you're just that's yeah but it's a concept that um yeah i really don't think a lot of people uh understand but it's kind of fundamental
0: yeah yeah and so, I mean, and in, 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 in that's why I guess when you say it's really a lower leg and foot movement, I mean, the thing that's going to really change that uh, platform angle is down at those joints because if you don't change that lower leg and foot, movements made in the upper body either are not going to affect down there what your leg is doing or it's going to be so far from it it's going to have a minute sort of effect. Um, yeah, so it definitely would be something coming from that that lower area, and then again it comes down to if the per- person's boots allow them to or set themselves up with the easiest sort of access to that ninety degree platform angle to begin with,
1: yeah exactly
0: yeah yeah no, it's exactly. a bit it's, I mean, it's just uh, like you you know we've we've talked about it before, but how many times you muck around with your boots in a season? It can just make you think you're going a little bit loopy to get yeah. that perfect feeling because and you know what it's probably because halfway through the season some of the you, you know your muscles are tired in certain areas oh. and so you've changed the alignment or the ability to for that platform angle to be where it was in december and now you're tight and so you're like oh god now i need two degrees can't and um, and then you you know you then you 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 take a bit of time off and you come back skiing at the very end of the season and now that two degree counts too much you need one and a half um, yeah. yeah it's kind of t- tricky. Um, I'd never thought about that but but I guess that's prob- possibly what's going on when with people that are constantly mucking around with their boots is their bodies kind of changing so that platform angle that they're creating I guess aligning the center of mass with their with that um, perpendicular kind of base, yeah, is is a little bit of a moving target at times. It's always changing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I think you're right too. I mean, you think about it. You think of all the aches and pains you have, especially if you're if you're skiing full time and you're skiing 100, 120 days a year, and your back hurts, your knee hurts, or you wrenched your something or other when you're skiing the bumps. I mean, there's it would be it would actually be uh, really almost impossible to go through a season with the same body alignment. Yeah, you know, I think I think it would be less likely that that would actually happen than it would stay the same. Yeah, So yeah. I would um, agree. I mean, it, I guess it makes sense that, the you know, it's a good plug for boot fitters. Yes, yeah. you know, <laughs> keep making it in.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. I couldn't believe one one uh, in the last week when I was skiing at Sun Peaks, I had a new pair of liners um, just from a, a, a newer Fisher boot. And I changed it just because I wanted a, a different tongue. Anyway, put them in my same shell, these liners that I hadn't played around with. And I went out and I actually couldn't ski. I was, <laughs> yeah, all I changed, yeah. the, 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 the liners were just narrower in the forefoot and the tongue was stiffer. And right. yeah, I did a run. And, you know, when you're swapping, you know, the afternoon, you've got, three hours to ski because your wife's looking up to the baby and you looked after the baby yeah. in the morning. You you treasure every single minute. <laughs> so I was cursing going, why did I muck around with that? I should have just, you know, kept it. But it was, it was just good to realize how much that yeah. equipment, no matter how much control I have over my body and whatever, if it's not right down there, it just makes it so hard because that platform yeah. angle is just mucked up, I guess. So... Well, and I think
1: that's something I've thought about before, and you know, it's too bad I don't. I think it's not on more courses, but you know, I think you know most ski instructors need get up to some sort of uh, level three APSI PSI level. Like, I mean, just to spend a day and 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 not for um, not to try to figure out what the right um, canting is uh, for your for yourself, but just to figure out the ca co- that the consequences of when you adjust things, like to go out there and just start with cuffs straight and no <clears throat> nothing under your boots, no shim yep. under your boots, and do a run, and then crank your cuffs out, go ski, what does that feel like? Crank your cuffs in, you know, just change one variable at a time, yep. crank them in, what does that feel like? Put it back to neutral, do a <clears throat> one-degree fat side in, leave them at neutral, one-degree fat side out. Like Just go through however many you know options, at 10 to 15 options there are there, and um, it's amazing, it, yeah. it really is amazing the difference it will make and, and the different sensations that I'll give you but…
0: Um, yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend that too. Um, yeah, it's a very good experiment if if not only for yourself but to realize what possibly if you're an instructor what your clients are going through and when you're trying to teach them to do something and they cannot and you're struggling to get that across that you know, yeah. could be coming from something else.
1: So. well or even just, you know, yeah, I mean I agree. I mean you look at your <clears throat> everyday skier and the you know, you look at the the angle of the boot, like the upper cuff of the boot is or the whole boot is way more vertical than like their thigh, you know, like the whole yep. lower leg is just straight up and down compared to the rest of their butt is in and their thighs are in and you're looking at that going, Well there's no way that ski's gonna hold. Yeah. It's just not in a million years. I mean you yeah. know they've got Two inches of slop around the top of your boot—it's just not going to happen. So
0: yeah, um, yep. Anyway, exactly. Um, Russ, was there any other things, any other topics you wanted to bring up? Um, thought would be worth talking about before we kind of wrap it up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think you brought up a good point there about
1: we were talking about rotational alignment and ability to turn the legs. I've you know I think I've mentioned to you once and I can I remember one of my very first years as a level four which is going back like 20 years uh watching Norm Kreutz come down um a blue run do an intermediate parallel and and Norm was I mean Norm used to preach you know separation and turning your legs like if you didn't do that you were in you were in hot water, you weren't giving mm-hmm. courses. But I remember watching him come down here and I thought, the guy's lying, he's not doing what <laughs> he's preaching because I watched him come down and, and he actually didn't show a, a ton of separation. I mean he, he wasn't rotating of course, yep. but he didn't show a ton of separation and it took yep. me probably until the last seven or eight years to, to reflect back on that and just go No, you know that the, the legs were you know, the legs started or the skis turned initially slightly faster uh, than uh, than the upper body, but mm-hmm. then really, you know, this is something I, uh, you asked me about, I'm kind of working on, or, you know, turns to me that feel feel right are, you know, s- especially slightly larger turns are ones where, you know, you, you kind of set your angles up early in the turn rotationally, and then I, I get the sensation that the, the ski, I, I try to get the skis, and the outside of my body to travel around the arc at the same rate. I don't want one or – I mean, as long as I'm just in the arc, if I want to change the arc, like get off it or tighten mm-hmm. it, then that might have to might have to change. But, you know, really just trying to have the outside of my body travel around the arc at the same rate as my skis. I don't want it to go faster because I'm going to pull myself in a rotation. I don't want it yep. to go slower because I'm going to open up and probably get back in inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that's – a good cue for, for people to just think about is, is think about how quickly they're, you know, have a, you know, one half of their brain on their skis, one half of their brain on their outside of their body and, and yep. try to understand the, the relationship to the two and, because if they're, you know, I don't know, I just get the sense that when I watch most good skiers, I, I, I use a very just layman term of slightly separated. I just, I see most good skiers, stand on their skis just with slight separation and that gives them enough um you know facing to the outside to to angulate when they want to uh but that's it there's you know you don't need any more than that and actually sorry this does just um remind me of back to my kind of making tracks on the snow Mm -hmm. um I was out there one day and people probably thought I was nuts because I was taking pictures of of my ski tracks on Fresh Groom (laughs) but uh You know i I did i did a bunch of intermediate parallel turns and um and then i walked back up and and put with my skis on and put my skis uh into the track and then i i you know the track was maybe six eight ten inches wide somewhere in there and then i just moved my tip if you can imagine like a width of track and it and i actually only did it on my outside ski so the inside ski track didn't get in the way yeah um and then i just took the tip of my of my ski and moved it to the inside of the track. And then, therefore, the tail of my ski moved to the outside of the track. Yep. And I and and then I moved it back to be in the middle. And then I moved it back so the tip touched the inside and the tail the outside. And it was probably. And this was actually quite a. I mean, a lot. I mean, I did it in all speeds, but I I did a lot going quite slow. So a very steered turn, um, where you would really traditionally go. Wow, you must have really turned your legs a lot. Yep. And I. I would estimate it was about five degrees, the amount that my ski had actually twisted against the surface of the snow. Uh, it it's was not much. It was not much at all. It yeah. was really not much at all. So, you know, back to your question about, you know, what I've been trying to work on with some students is just is to work on the precision of an accuracy and timing of... of turning your legs not the amount that you can turn your legs because you don't actually need to turn them a ton but you need to turn them uh, precisely um, and with control and at the right time of the turn so and would you
0: say that effort or focused moving the tip and the tail was coming from a particular area upper part of your leg lower part of your leg the whole leg
1: well, when I was, what I when I'm not, it's hard to describe. But what I would actually do is I would just do one turn and then I'd skate back up. So when I'm describing moving my tip to the inside, I'm actually yep. stationary. Oh, I'm standing there. Yep. I'm standing. I'm standing there and just doing it to try to get a sense of how much my ski actually twisted on the surface of the snow. Yep. Um, so there, it's not. It wasn't really
0: about um, about how. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I guess you, there would have been from where if you. So the first one was your single edge kind of yeah. in the snow. And then if you if you start with your ski you walk back up and you place your ski yes. in that track then you yes. have to lift it up and change it. Correct. So Correct. how did you reckon you did that? What do you think? Well that
1: yeah, I mean I th- I think that was more in a traditional, you know,
0: upper femur kind of kind of yep.
1: move. But what was but again, it wasn't. I wasn't actually skiing. I was just trying to yeah. figure out how much I actually moved to ski. But when I when I when you do, I mean, and, and like I say, if other people want to geek out and do this, I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, but when I went up and looked at the track, uh, that the, there's another misconception. I think there's a, the, a, another big misconception out there is that you continue to turn your legs through a turn, or at least I think that's a misconception in mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, what I observe when I look at my track in the snow is that the width of track goes from, you know, if you're only on one ski, if I'm making a turn to the left, so I'm on my right ski, you can see the ski be flat. The ski uh, creates its width of track quite quite quickly. And so I do think that is probably a traditional, um, you know, turning the, the leg and hip socket kind of move. And then so the, the track gets to kind of its full width uh, within... Uh, no more than ski, no more than two ski lengths. Like I'd probably say, within one ski length, the yep. the, the 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 width has been set, and then that width stays the same mm-hmm. all the way through the turn. And yep. so that's something where I was, you know, I was kind of battling with this thing of, uh, do we really keep on turning our legs? If we did keep on turning our legs throughout the turn, I would think that the track width would get wider, but it doesn't. Unless you're, you know, a J turn, like a J yep. short turn, it it does a bit. But I'm talking about a kind of a even radius turn, yep. and um, so so yeah. I mean, the 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 width of the track is is very minimal and it stays consistent. My, my belief of where the I, I do think it's kind of you know maybe this might bring us full circle. Um, I think it comes back to the feeling. I do believe that the feeling of turning your legs grows as you go. Uh, through a turn, even like especially a skidded arc, you know, and, you know if you think of doing like a, a, a high edge skidded arc, so what we would call an advanced parallel in Canada, but like, yep. you, know, a net, you know, not carved, almost carved, but a high edge angle, um, you know, as you go past the falling and as you go deeper into the turn, uh, edge angle gets larger, and if you have, the more edge angle increases, with a ski that's turned slightly against your line of momentum, it, it, it takes more and more effort in your legs just to hold the ski at its same angle. So yes. I think pe- people feel an increase in effort as yep. they go through a turn, and they equate that to actually turning a leg more. Yes. But really, yes. in order in order to match, like you were saying before, in order to match the snow, as you go deeper in the arc it takes more effort but you're not turning your legs more you're just you're just matching what the snow is 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 giving you
0: yep yep yeah and you can just feel that you know i was just there i stood up and i put my feet parallel and i turned myself into a slightly separated position Mm
1: -hmm. and to
0: stay there requires effort my body doesn't want to stay there it sure. wants to uncoil and go straight again where um, the muscles are kind of neutral-ish or the tension is even all around. But yeah, definitely, so so that feeling of turning your legs through the arc kind of constantly is, yeah, like you said, could be equated to that effort to maintain that position, not let it kind yeah. of undo. Um, yeah, and I think commonly... Yeah, or a common problem can be that effort is quite hard, and so the ski will break off through trying Correct. to trying to hold that hold that position or this idea of continually set, holding separation or creating more separation through the turn. It definitely yeah. takes quite a bit of awareness, doesn't it, in your body to come to that feeling. Like you said, many, many, many years of doing it and doing it and. Um, yeah, I remember Paul Lorenz said to me one day on the lift, we were doing some training and he he just said to me, he said, I wish I could just, you know, plug into you and give you a feeling because mm, I could mm. describe to you, you know, all these different ways. But for me, you know, him, he has this internal feeling. He said, I just wish I could plug that feeling into you so you could feel it. Yeah. Then I reckon you'd get it. And and that's, yeah, yeah that's true. Um but yeah, people have just got to put the, effort, the time the time into to come across it themselves, I guess, which is, which is part of why I guess we've all stayed doing it because it does feel awesome when you kind of you yeah. know, you get, those, uh, get those feelings right.
1: Yeah, no, no, totally,
0: yeah. Hey, um, so Russ, I was going to say the, maybe the final thing. Uh, are you allowed to say or talk about what you guys, the CSIA, is presenting at Bulgaria?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, <laughs> you know what? Actually, I don't think that's been decided. When we were uh, in in Sunshine there, somebody asked that, and Warren and uh, John are, I guess, still going through that process of figuring out what we're presenting. Yep. So I that's just as much a secret for me, and I think they're working on it. So we were, like I say, we were more just working on skiing and trying to – create some similarities and you know, yep. movement patterns and things like that
0: yeah 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 had you skied with luke before luke uh, i
1: have yeah i know i've skied with luke a decent amount actually it was um you know luke hasn't been in the west that long but I've, um got to know him fairly quickly he uh actually shadowed shadowed me one last year when the level four course was in sunshine so we skied together for a couple of year, a couple of days and I I shouldn't say this, but I actually didn't really know Luke kind of very well, and then he was shadowing in my session. I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> this guy's a <laughs> this guy's a good skier. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I've so now I've uh, been lucky enough to ski with Luke uh, a decent amount for sure. He's yeah, I
0: think he's skiing super well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when I think about the people on the team. There's definitely some different body shapes. You know, mm. tall and Lean yep. and wider and yep. shorter, and like it's, um, like yeah, it's interesting. So, that would be as with any kind of team, that's kind of challenging to get everyone to create a similar picture when you've got a different makeup,
1: yeah, yeah, I think so. Although, I mean, yeah, I guess it's definitely a factor. I, I at the same time. Yeah, I don't know I mean actually Luke and I had a couple of passes there this when we were there when we were doing you know in sync short radius within you know three or four feet of each other, just side by each and um and actually found it found it really really pretty easy so yep yeah i guess I guess size, but mechanics i think is ultimately i mean if you move the same way in the same sequence, I think it uh it's that's always the easiest you know so
0: yep yep, excellent all right, so it's a it's, to summarize it's 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 in the works what's going to be presented yeah um, yeah. No, no. yeah people
1: have to show up and, and see it's going to be uh, it's going to be amazing
0: yeah i bet <laughs> all right well i'm gonna wrap it up um yeah, unless there's anything you. else you wanted to to talk about um do you, when do you get back on snow or oh
1: you- i won't be back on snow till. Uh, November, late November, November. probably. Yeah. So yeah. lots lots of lots of time off. Lots of no, time uh, off. No yep. plans to come south.
0: Yep. So cool. Lots of biking. Lots of Try lit- to get the body healed up again. Yeah, healed up after the winter. Yeah. So uh, great. Well thanks very much for your time, Russ. Always good catching up. And um, yeah, look forward to, to chatting with you soon. I'm sure I'll hit you up with a few uh, you know things I've been playing with when I get to New Zealand.
1: Yeah, right
0: on. Yeah, but um, yeah, thanks again for your time. And uh, yeah, look forward to chatting again soon. Cool. Thanks, John. Okay, see great you, Ross. Bye. bye Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand-new metrics, progressive edging early weight transfer and one that measures the g-force in a turn and that one i have to say i got to try it out this winter in australia and that is really fun this new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch now what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your ski iq score This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.